Hey, James chapter 3, um, yeah, let's start in it here. Um, all through the book of James, uh, James chapter 1, James, James chapter 2 so far, and through the rest of the book of James, uh, James tells us the characteristics of a mature Christian is kind of what we've been going through. Practical, everyday things that show the marks of a mature Christian. In chapter 1, James talked about how the mature Christian takes trials, turns them into triumphs. In chapter 2, James talked about how the mature Christian has a living faith visible by their actions. And finally, uh, now that we've gotten to chapter 3, chapter 3 will show us another characteristic of the mature Christian, and that's the ability to tame the tongue. So why don't we pray this morning as we get into the word this morning. Lord, we thank you just for your word this morning. We thank you that uh, we're two or three or more gathered there you are with them. And so we know you're with us this morning, Lord, and we just thank you for that, Lord. Uh, we invite the Holy Spirit here this morning uh, just to spread through this place. And uh, Lord, we s- want to seek your kingdom first. And so just um, show us what your kingdom's like, Lord, this morning. Uh, show us what it's like to be people of God, children of God, Lord, adopted into the family. Uh, give me wisdom as I speak your words this morning. Amen. Amen. So let's look. First thing James does here is he starts with a quick little warning in James chapter 3. Verse 1 to, to do. Let's look at it here. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So it's a bit of a sobering start here, James starts with. He says, not many of you should become teachers. Well, why? Right? Don't we want? Don't we want everybody teaching and preaching and, you know, just getting the word out there as much as we can? Well, first of all, I believe not all people are called to be teachers. It's it's a spiritual gift that not everyone has. And 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 we know before, before we went through the book of James, I went through the book of Ephesians with you guys. And we know in Ephesians chapter 4. We learn that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And yes, we know, well, as many of you know, as many of I know, you can have a good pastor that is not necessarily a good teacher, and you can have a good teacher that is definitely not necessarily a good pastor. I've seen that. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that, but I digress. That's a whole other thing we could talk about. Not many of you should become teachers. Well, why? James says, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, as we learn more about the, you go through the history of the early church, uh, we'll we'll even read about it a little bit later in James chapter 4 and 5, and you look at other books of the Bible like 1 Corinthians, uh, you see there was just some wild stuff going on in that day in the early church. Just like crazy stuff, right? You just had people, there's just no order. People standing up in the middle of church shouting things out, just disruption, people wanting to share what was on their heart, people saying things, this, that. And now I actually think, personally, this is from the, the Blake version, I, I actually think that a lot of this that was going on in the early church was done with the right intent. I think, you know, they were either simply, you kind of had two main, you had either the Jewish Christians who were, you know, used to living under the law their whole life, they were kind of, had this idea of strict law and order, I need to do things right. And now they're experiencing grace for the first time through Jesus. They're experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ. And I think they just couldn't help but 
stand up and just share. They just, it was just flowing out of their mouth. They just wanted to tell people about Jesus. Or you had others, you had Gentiles, who prior to this point weren't, weren't included in the family of God. They, they, they were kind of doing whatever they want, but now because of Jesus, they've been adopted into the family of the one true God. They've been saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and just like you and I today, that we have been with, through Jesus, I think they back then, they just couldn't help themselves. They just were so happy, overwhelmed, they just wanted to stand up in the middle of church and just shout out things about Jesus and teach people about Jesus and interrupt and try and share what they learned about Jesus that day. I think back in the early church, a lot of them were just so excited about Jesus, they just wanted to stand up and share and and tell people about Jesus. But here's something that I also think is that some of them in that day weren't doing it for the right reason and intent. I think some of them, you know, back in James's day, there was great respect. And even now, there's, there's respect, a certain respect that comes with by being a rabbi, especially back in James's day. Um, you know, as someone up front speaking, it can become very easy to fall into the trap of, of looking for that respect and, and sense of honor and, and kind of this twisted sense of self-centeredness, pride that can come with standing up and speaking for God. And for me personally, this is where it hit home where James says, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I've heard a story that goes like this. When you get to heaven, you, you get to heaven, you're, you get up to the pearly gates, you stand in, the, you, you come in and you see two lineups. There's two lineups and you're kind of looking at what's going on and halfway down one of the lineups, about halfway up, you see, oh, you see a small gathering of, of Pastor Matt you see maybe Pastor Brian Colkman of North Shore Calvary Fellowship. Maybe you see Pastor Jazz from up at CLA. And the three of them are kind of chatting with each other. And they see you and they say, hey, hey, come on up here. We'll get you in quicker. We, we got the hookup to get in front of the line. Just come and budge. It's okay. Friends, if you see that happening, you turn your head away. You pretend like you didn't see them and you get in the other lineup. You pretend like you got a phone call and you, oh, sorry, I got, I'll, I'll be right up there. You get your head in the other lineup. You duck your head. You don't go up with those three guys. You get in the back of the lineup of whatever line they're not in. You do not want to be entering the gates under the same judgment and scrutiny that those guys are going to be entering under. Friends, teaching the Bible is the most, honestly, the most rewarding thing I've ever done. But it's also probably the most frightening I was once told, I think I was told by Matt, actually, a long time ago, he told me, don't get into the ministry. Don't do it. If you can do anything else, do it. Because, because when I take on the responsibility of teaching the word of God, I best be sure I'm teaching it correctly and accurately according to God's word. I am responsible to teach the word of God correctly because if, if I stand up here and I lead you guys astray, then I'm responsible for what I've done. I'm responsible for, now I'm responsible for you because I've led you astray and there are consequences to my actions. Friends, if you claim to speak for God and make clear God's word, then you best be sure that you're in prayer, you're in repentance, and you're teaching the Bible accurately and you're preparing to speak for God. James continues on in verse 2, and he very quickly brings all of you guys into the mix as well. 
He says in verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. James talks about the mouth. He starts to talk about the mouth. If you remember last week, we, um, Matt brought up the idea of the different types of gates, the different gates that we have that can take in our surroundings. Last week, he talked about the eye gate. Um, and this week, actually, conveniently, James talks about the mouth gate. We get to look at the mouth gate. And the mouth gate is unique for two reasons. Two reasons I see the mouth gate is unique. Is that not only can things enter through the mouth gate, um, but also... Things can output through the mouth gate. And then the other thing that's unique is that inside the mouth gate, you have a little thing, a little menace called the tongue. And so here James takes a bit of a turn. At the beginning of this, you might have thought we were just going to rag on teachers all, all this morning, but unfortunately we're not. You're included because James includes everyone in this conversation when he says, for we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble, not, not just me, not just you, you know, all of us stumble in many ways. And more specifically, James is talking here in relation to the tongue. James goes on saying, we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, then he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. You know, I think all of us have said something we wish we'd never said. All of us have said a word or two in our life that we've looked back on and been like, shoot, I wish I hadn't have said that. You know, all of us have said a word that just isn't God glorifying. And the key word stumble here doesn't mean an ultimate sin, like game over for you. It just means a temporary stall in our growth in Jesus. We've all stumbled in what we said. We as human beings never know when enough is enough and we never know when to shut our mouth. One of the famous quotes that my dad used to always say is that it's better to have people think you're an idiot than to open your mouth and prove it. And by the way, this includes social media for all you social media warriors out there. We all stumble in what we say. And James goes on in verse 2. Verse 2, he says, If anyone does not stumble in what you say, then you are a perfect man, able to bridle your whole body. A spiritually mature Christian is able to to control their tongue, and in turn shows that they can control their whole body. Now, interesting those two connections. If you can control your tongue, then you can control your whole body. If you have your Bible, which I hope you all do, just because we got the words up on screen nowadays doesn't mean you don't bring your Bible anymore to church. If you got your Bible, turn to Matthew 12. If you don't have one, you can grab one around the edges of the room. Turn with me to Matthew 12. Uh, at the end of the, verse 34, we're going to look at kind of Matthew 12, 34b uh, through to 37. It is going to come up on screen, I think, though. It says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. As you turn back to uh, the book of James, listen to Luke 6. It says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. Get this, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The mouth is a little peek into what is going on in the heart. The tongue doesn't work on its own. It it speaks what's coming out of the heart. 
And that's a little bit of foreshadowing for you guys there of what we're going to talk about later. I think you'll be surprised this morning how much we talk about the heart uh, when the title of this message is Taming the Tongue. So let's keep going here. James chapter 3, talking about the tongue. He starts to talk about the tongue, and there's two main things that I see here that he talks about the tongue, if you're someone that takes notes. There's two main things. The first, in James uh, chapter 3, verse 3 to 5, James is going to show us that the tongue has the power to direct, number one. And then secondly, uh, in verse 6 to 9, he's going to show us that the tongue has the power to destroy. The tongue has the power to direct. The tongue has the power to destroy. So let's look at the first one. Uh, Tongue has the power to direct. James 3, verse 3 to 5. Let's read that. It says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So James gives us two metaphors. The bit uh, in, a, in a horse's mouth. If you guys know a bit, a bit goes in a horse's mouth and is attached to the reins and with slight pressure left and right, you can steer the horse. And then the rudder at the back of a boat, which again, a rudder is a little thing at the back of the boat in the water that steers the boat left and right. It's attached to steering cables that runs up to a steering wheel that the pilot can, can direct and, and steer the ship left or right. And so both of these things, the bit in the horse's mouth and the, the rudder on the ship are very small in comparison to the thing being controlled. And in the same way, the tongue is very small in comparison to the whole body. But remember what James said earlier in verse two, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is able to bridle his whole body. If anyone is able to control the bit, they can control the horse If anyone is able to control the the rudder, they can control the ship. And if anyone is able to control the tongue, then they can control the whole body. Something as small as the tongue can have tremendous power. In the same way, something as small as a bit can control the tremendous power of a horse. Or something as small as a rudder can control the tremendous power of insane freighter ships. But the thing about these, these small things in comparison to the larger things is that they can be used either for good, but also, if they're not brought under control, they can be used incorrectly, and great damage can be done. And so I want to lean into this metaphor just a bit, James is telling us here, about the idea of the rudder and the bit. And so stick with me a bit. Consider this with me. Consider the bit attached to a horse, and there's reins that go up to a rider. Or consider the rudder that has a steering cables that go up to a, a steering wheel and has a pilot. And let me ask you this question. Who's controlling the reins of the horse? Who's controlling the steering wheel of the ship? Who's controlling the reins of your tongue? Who's piloting the rudder of your mouth? And let me offer you this suggestion. The mature Christian has the power of the Holy Spirit controlling the reins of your tongue. Consider with me again in in Luke. It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, friends, it's not so much as to whether you should open your mouth or not to speak. Although earlier in James, he does say we should be uh, quicker to hear, slower to speak. So, you know, I suppose we could all use a little bit of that, just shut our mouth a little bit more. But the idea here isn't that you should stop talking altogether. Because let's be honest, 
about the tongue, at least for me, you might not think so for you, but for me, my tongue is like a runaway horse. My tongue is like a ship just stuck in the forward position. You know, I'm one of those people that I'm not super great with silence. I always feel like I need to say something, so I just open my mouth and just say whatever comes out, and usually it's not anything worthwhile. (laughs) Often my tongue is just stuck in the go position. So the question here isn't whether we should use the, the rudder. The question isn't whether we should use the bit, because we're going. We're going forward. The question is, who's at the controls? And we just saw in Luke that the, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Who is at the center of your heart? Who is controlling your reins? For some of us, it's nobody. For some of us, it's simply open mouth, flap lips, close mouth, right? <laughs> just no control. You just open your mouth, and I'm sure we all know someone like that. But for some of us, you know, we open our mouth and we let our emotions control what we say. We, we let our, the world control what we say. We let greed, we let pride, we let, you know, the desire for money, we, we let the need for honor and power and, and respect by standing in front of people and, and teaching the word of God. Or, or we, we have the need to go on Facebook and get people riled up about who the heck knows what. Friends, who is in control of the reins of your tongue? What is your heart full of? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. See, the tongue has great power. Though it is small, it boasts of great things. And how great is an uplifting, encouraging word? I'm sure we've all, I hope all of us at least once have been the recipient of an encouraging word, right? One of those words that you're just like, wow, that was so good. Just simple nothing, out of nowhere, encouraging, uplifting word. And man, words like that can change you for life. Like they can make, you can remember back to exact moment that someone said, even just a little thing of things like, hey, you look good today. Hey, nice hat. We cling to those kind of things, right? Simple, God-glorifying speech has the power to change people's lives. However, as quickly as a good word can delight, a bad word can destroy. Look with me at the end of verse 5. The end of verse 5 into, into verse 6. It says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. We here in BC, we're very aware of forest fires, right? We know all about forest fires every year and the destruction they cause. Do you know, I was looking up forest fires in BC the past 20 years. One of the biggest, and like by far one of the biggest uh, forest fires we've had in, in BC history in the past 20 years um, is the Elephant Hill Forest Fires, what they called it, or Ashcroft Forest Fire, they called it. Even some, a lot of us will remember because it was only about three years, it was in 2017, it was only three years ago. And it burned 191,000. Man, I had the same trouble in the first one. It's tough for me to, we all stumble in other words, don't we? It burned 191,865 hectares. Over 50,000 people were forced to evacuate. And it was estimated to cost over $500 million in, in firefighter efforts. Can you guess what that whole single forest fire was caused by? 
a cigarette. Nailed it. Caused by a single cigarette butt. They never found out who it was, but they narrowed it down that it was a cigarette butt. How small the tongue is, yet it is capable to cause destruction and desolation in its wake if it's left unchecked. The tongue is a fire set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the course of life and set on fire by hell. See, fire destroys, fire leaves nothing in its wake, fire spreads quicker than any of us can imagine. Have you ever seen those videos um, of uh, those like teaching videos of, of old Christmas trees, dried out Christmas trees. And when they light up, man, they light up. Within 30 seconds, that whole living room is on fire. Couch, the whole thing's on fire. The fire affects everything around it. It didn't just stop at the Christmas tree. It spread to the couch. It spread to the walls. It spread to the floor. The fire affected everything around it, defiling it. Your tongue, though it is small, controls and defiles the whole body if it's left unchecked. Friends, the tongue has the power to direct. The tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's like a rudder on a large ship, but if it's not directed correctly, it has the power to destroy. It's like a small fire among a forest. Though small, it has great power that can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It's not too many things better, in my opinion at least, than sitting around a campfire, you know, a little bit crisp night, sitting around a campfire, enjoying the warmth of a controlled fire, um, roasting marshmallows. I get a lot of hate because I am a lover of s'mores. I know a lot of people think that s'mores are overrated. I disagree. I know you might have heard, you might have thought, what, s'mores are overrated? I know a lot of people that think s'mores are overrated. I can't get enough s'mores in my mouth. Love a good s'more. Fires can be used for great things. Or they can be used for destruction. Have you ever seen those other videos of, boy, it makes it sound like I just go on YouTube and just sit there for 12 hours a day. You watch other videos of like, of boats, just like failing of boats, right? Of large boats crashing. You don't do that? No one else does that? It's just me? Oh, awkward. Well, you go home and watch it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Just boats crashing into things. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's not really cool, but it's amazing the destruction they can cause if, if not controlled correctly. Or, you know, years ago they had boats crashing right in the Mediterranean, that boat that flipped over and, and someone died from that, a couple people died. If not controlled directly, the rudder can cause great destruction. I'll, I'll never forget um, our favorite, classic, most stoic man, in our church, Josh Van Klinken. We all know him. We all love him. He's coming back. A couple years ago at the church camp out, he's, he's bringing uh, the boat, his boat back in full of a, some kids after they just went fishing. And I think I just got my boat for the first time that year. So I was, you know, a little wet behind the ears, green. I didn't know about anything about a boat. I knew forward is go fast. That's all I needed to know. I didn't know how to steer the thing hardly. I didn't know anything. And I remember standing on the dock there, watching Josh come back in, pull his boat back in. And uh, I'm telling you, that man, what he did, he comes into the dock, pulls him forward. He turns, so his motor is towards the dock, goes to whip it around. I'm telling you, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think he was within six inches of that dock. The way he was able to pull that around, 
And I'm just sweating. I'm going crazy thinking he's, and he's ripping. He's not messing around. I look at him and there's Josh, just, you know, the most stoic man. He could just classic, cool as a cucumber, no issue, no worry. Pulled that thing right around. There was no doubt in his mind that he wasn't going to hit this dock. You see, when used correctly and competently by a proper pilot, the rudder is an amazing thing. Listen to Proverbs 18.21. says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So let's continue on here as James begins to hit it home for us. We've seen that the tongue... We've seen that the tongue has the power to direct, and we've seen that if it's not used correctly, it has the power to destroy. We've seen the power that the tongue can have, so now let's see how to control it. Verse 7. Verse 7 and 8, it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. No human being can tame the tongue. We've been given power and dominion over every sea and land creature on earth. We've tamed amazing creatures. We've tamed creatures that are able to, you know, knock our head off with the swipe of their tail. Yet no human can tame the tongue. The tongue is a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. It stains the entire course of life and is set on fire by hell and no man can tame it. What are we ever to do? You know who this should point us to, friends? Jesus. See, this message today isn't necessarily about, well, it's definitely not about the need to, to just grit your teeth and force yourself to, to tame the tongue. Though, let's be clear, this isn't absolving you of any responsibility of what comes out of your mouth. I think we could all do a bit better with speaking less and, and listening more. This message isn't about telling you to grab hold of your tongue and and grab hold of the reins, and grab hold of the wheel, and take control, and, and pilot it. It's not about forcing the reins one way or another. The point of this message is to let go. The point is to let go so that Jesus can grab hold. No human being can tame the tongue, not a single one. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friends, what is your heart full of this morning? If it isn't Jesus, make it Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can take you and change you. Jesus is the only one who is qualified enough to be in your heart controlling the steering wheel. Do you want to tame the tongue this morning? Love Jesus. I'm going to say that again. If you want to tame your tongue, love Jesus. Love Jesus passionately with your whole heart and he will take care of the issue of the tongue. Eagerly seek Jesus above all things and he will bring everything else into order. You come to Jesus with your mouth like a wildfire causing destruction and death and disorder and you ask him into your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved and he will begin a work in you that he promises to bring to completion. Jesus is the only one can, that can do this. Not the world, not the emotions that you have, not the fact that you're trying really, really hard. Jesus is the one that died for you. Jesus is the one that can save you. Jesus is the one that wants to change your life. You just have to let him. You just have to let go of the reins and let him take control. And maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you don't know who Jesus is. 
let me tell you, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not going to spend crazy long telling you a sad sob story, but I'm going to spend a second here telling you a sad sob story. Hopefully it's not too sad and crybaby, but let me just tell you about Jesus and me. You know, if I didn't know Jesus, I think at this point in my life, I might be in a deep depression. Actually, I know I'd be in a deep depression. You know, about three years ago, my dad died, um, and I was fairly naive to the idea of death and, de- and destruction. I was naive to the idea of cancer and, and what it can do to people. But when I saw my dad, a 250, 275-pound man, drop down to 100, 125, and I just saw the, just the destruction caused by cancer, the pain. Man, if it wasn't for Jesus, I think I'd be angry. I think I'd be upset. I think I'd be depressed. I think I'd be on a, I think I'd be clinically depressed. I think I'd be on a, a sort of antidepressant every day. But, but because I know Jesus, I know that the grief and pain that I felt over seeing my dad like that I knew it was nothing to the grief and pain that Jesus felt overseeing that. I know that the pain that Jesus felt over the calamity of of death and sin and the destruction that comes from sin was nothing that I could even imagine. And friends, I'm beyond thankful that Jesus gave his life for me. Jesus gave his life for you. And then three days later, he was raised again, overcoming death, overcoming the destruction and sin of this world that Jesus sits on the throne and he wants to be in your heart. He wants an intimate relationship with you. I want to encourage you, ask Jesus into your heart. Allow him to transform you from the inside. You want to tame the tongue, let Jesus have your heart. Let's read verse nine. It says, with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing My brothers, the things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. From the same mouth, we bless our Lord, and then we turn around and curse people made in the likeness of God. Did you know? Listen to this. This is important. There is no higher calling than for you to worship and praise God with your tongue. Did you get that? With the tongue, there was nothing more beautiful than to claim Jesus as Lord and to give him thanks. Nothing more beautiful. Nothing higher than that. Yet we sing his praise here and we turn around and we gossip and slander people. You know, we go home and we say, can you believe that person said this to me? What a doofus, this, that, you know. Friends, these things ought not to be so. A spring doesn't pour forth both fresh water and salt water. A fig tree doesn't produce olives. A grapevine doesn't produce figs. Don't let the beauty and majesty of out of your mouth praising God and worshiping your Lord be mixed in with the cursing of people made in the likeness of God. What James is saying here is just be consistent in your speech. If you're a born-again Christian, you should not be flip-flopping in your speech. At church, being nice and lovey-dovey, and then at home, cursing or using language. That's just inappropriate. Not necessarily swear words, but just non-God-glorifying words. But you might sit there and say, no, 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 that's not me. When I use those kind of words, it's a righteous anger, or it's righteous, it's for good reason. (laughs) 
You know, in this day and age, we live in a time where you can go online and you can anonymously, or nowadays not so anonymously, you can write comments, you can say things online that are just, that I've seen from people who claim they're Jesus followers, claim they're born-again Christians, and they just say these things about our prime minister. They say these things about the president. They say these things about whoever's in charge about whether we have to wear masks or not. They say these things that are just simply astonishing. This all counts. It doesn't matter. If you don't like the prime minister, that doesn't mean you're allowed to curse people made in God's character and likeness. You don't get to be selective on who's been made in God's image or not. If you read letters from Paul, which is most of the New Testament, if you read any of the New Testament, you have most likely read a letter from Paul. One of the consistent themes he has in there is, he's, a consistent theme across most of his letters is the idea of being who you are. You are a child of God, so start acting like it. You've taken off the old self, you've put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and in, in his righteousness and holiness, so start living like it. James chapter 1, realize the testing and trials produce steadfastness and completeness. James chapter 2, be hearers of the word, but also be doers of the word. You're a child of God. You are a mature Christian, so start acting like it. James chapter 3, tame your tongue, speak gently and with an encouraging voice. How do we do that? By allowing Jesus into your heart. Allow Jesus to take the wheel. Ask Jesus into your heart, for out of the heart the mouth speaks. Friends, do you have a hard time taming your tongue? Ask Jesus to fill your heart and help you tame your tongue. I want to leave you with this one final uh, little rant. I don't think it's a rant, but it might be a little rant. And just know hopefully it's good because I'm going to be judged harshly for it if it's not. Friends, do you want to tame your tongue? Then passionately love Jesus. Ask Jesus into your heart. When Jesus is at the center of your heart, he will take your tongue, he will direct it to a kind word and gentle speech. Friends, do you want revival? How often nowadays do we come to prayer meetings and pray for revival? It's good, 100%, be praying for revival. But friends, do you want revival? Then passionately love Jesus. When Jesus is at the center of your heart, it will well up and overflow out of your mouth and you won't be able to control it. Like Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he tried to stop. He said, no more. I'm not talking about the word of God anymore. And then later his, his bones burned with fire so passionately that he was unable to keep it in his mouth. He said, I have no other choice than to speak about the word of God. Or about the early church who couldn't sit still for 10 minutes without standing up and shouting out stuff about Jesus. They were unable to keep the majesty of Jesus from leaving their lips. Why? Because they passionately loved Jesus. You want people to hear about Jesus? Then out of the mouth gate, speak about Jesus. Love Jesus first and the rest will follow suit.